In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm glad to see everyone came back today. We left Jesus last week with an open ending. I don't know if you remember it, but Jesus went up the mountain with his disciples. Then he saw a crowd coming to him, so he went down and he fed the 5,000. Then he went back up the mountain when they tried to take him by force and make him king. That was it. The ending was left open. Was the crowd going to follow him? The same question was for us, too. Were we going to follow him? What exactly were we going to do? Now, it's not quite the same for the Israelites from today's Old Testament reading. They'd already decided what they were going to do. Now, they, they too, were on a journey to a mountain, following behind a pillar of cloud. And along their way, they started to grumble about their provisions. They saw that their food that was before them, their food and drink, was not quite as good as their food that they had during their life of slavery. The Israelites, they really had a problem, a problem of seeing what was before them in that pillar of cloud. It's God of the universe, maker of heaven and earth, redeemer of Israel, the one who parted the Red Sea and destroyed the Egyptians. That was the one who was before them. And since they had a problem seeing him, they also had a problem of seeing his word of promise. That word that said, we're going to have a life together forever, ever in the promised land. So what did they do? Well, they decided that dying in Egypt would be a better way than dying there in the desert. In a sense, two months into their journey, they're already thinking about death rather than eternal life. God, on the other hand, had a plan. He already decided what he was going to do. And his plan was based on his love, not the people's grumbling. And that plan was that life together. Him serving his people with his food and them joyfully feasting upon it. For now, though, he was going to give them a little appetizer, a little foretaste of the food from heaven. You see, God was not going to be outdone by a, a puny pharaoh from Egypt. So he told Moses, tell the people, I'm going to give them meat and bread. And just in case you were wondering, was he going to give them anything to drink? You already gave that to him in Exodus 15. So, after the Lord says to Moses, tell the people this, Moses does tell them. The thing is, though, the Israelites still had a tough time seeing things according to God's word, so much so that they actually had to ask Moses after God promised them, I'm going to give you bread. They had a tough time. They even had to ask Moses, what is it? Now, anyone listening to the story already knows what it is. We just heard God say this is what he's going to do, and then that's what he does. So we, the listeners, we join with Moses, and we say, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. We all kind of maybe say, duh. 
shouldn't be that hard to see God promises. The Israelites, they had the bread from heaven right in front of their eyes, and they don't see it. They don't see it until Moses tells them that's what it is. They could not see their salvation before them, whether it was in the pillar of cloud or was it, whether it was in the bread. And now, they saw something, but they didn't actually see it according to God's promise. God gave the food to the Israelites so that they could actually sink their teeth into a tangible sign, that sign that would point to the fulfillment of God's promise. That promise that God's going to take care of them forever and ever. Now, tragically, this is where the Israelites got it wrong, and maybe some of us too, because they actually believed that God was going to let them die in the desert. They actually believed that he wasn't going to deliver on his promise of saving them. They really thought that their life was dependent upon that perishable bread and not on that word of God. That word of God that said, come with me. We're going to have eternal life together. Me feeding you and you feasting. See, darkened by their selfishly painful hunger, they didn't see what God wanted with them. And they didn't actually see the sign that was pointing to God's presence among them as the giver of life. Let us now join the crowd, though, that was standing before Jesus in today's gospel reading. Now, they have one before them that's better than Moses. They have one who's better than Moses to answer the question, what is the real bread from heaven? They have the one who is actually in the pillar of cloud speaking to Moses. But they actually don't have him in an elusive presence. They actually have him in flesh and blood. Before their very eyes, they could actually see him. So what were they going to do? Seeing and believing play important roles with the Jews standing before Jesus in today's gospel reading. And like those of Exodus, they don't quite see things according to the word that God just spoke to them. But they actually just see it according to their own eyes. Those with Jesus ask, what are you going to do? What are you going to do so that we can see and believe? The thing is, though, they can't see it already in front of them. In a sense, they too are asking what the Israelites of old asked. What is it? And in a bit of irony, those Jews standing before Jesus actually ask Moses. They actually use Moses when they quote from Exodus. And the thing is, though, Moses actually does answer their question. It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. But those Jews standing before Jesus don't quite correctly interpret them. Because they actually think Moses was the one who gave them the food. Now, we don't know that, though, until Jesus, the one who's better than Moses, the fulfillment of Moses, actually answers them. And he says, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. While the Jews were going to go on and quote the Old Testament incorrectly by saying, why don't you give us bread like Moses gave us bread? God was going to just keep on doing what he always is doing, and that is he's going to keep on giving the word of God. The word of God that creates and sustains life. And God does this when Jesus gives them something better than perishable bread, because they really had enough perishable bread yesterday when, when Jesus fed them in the feeding of the 5,000. What he gives is what they really need. And that's the food that endures to endure eternal life. And that food is Jesus Christ himself, the bread of life. So Jesus Christ, in the flesh, stands before them as, not as the one who proclaims the word of God, but Jesus Christ stands before them as the very word of God, exclaiming that he is the thing that God is going to do. He is the thing that God has always been doing and will do. And his flesh and blood is the very sign in which people can see that God is doing it for the salvation of the world. Now, like last week, this week's gospel reading also has an open ending. It's an open ending, though, that, that really involves you. So the ending is not so much in the page, but it's in you. You see, since our God is living, his word is still speaking. It's not something that was just spoken back then, but it's still being heard today. So that word that was just spoken was Jesus speaking to you. So that raises the question, what are we going to do? Now Jesus answered the crowd with the right answer of him being the bread of life. And for that crowd inside the reading, they didn't really seek Jesus, the bread of life, but they simply sought the bread. But for the crowd outside the pages, that's us, we seek Jesus in the bread. In the bread, that's his body and his blood. So, the question, what is it? We might ask that. But Jesus already gave the answer. It's me. I'm the bread of life. Look, see. This is my body. This is my blood. So Jesus is before us today. He was in the pillar of cloud before the Israelites. He was in flesh before the Jews. And now he is before us in his word. That word that was just spoken over there. And in that word that we eat in his body and blood. See, it's here. Right now, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. That's what Jesus says. So Jesus is here with us today. 
And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, He is here with us as He wants us, or as He wants to be. As a present person. As a present Savior who's going to stay with us forever and ever. And that's what God decided to do right from the beginning. To be here with us as He wants himself to be present. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the Lord saves. So God is here before us. Now, indeed, he's hidden, but nevertheless, he's present. He's hidden in, in, in words of men, and he's hidden in bread and wine, but nonetheless, he is fulfilling his promise, his promise of being with us forever, his promise of feeding us with the word that endures for eternal life. Indeed, he's fulfilling his promise of the promised land. Now we behold this promised land of him feeding us and us sitting with him. We see that with our eyes of faith and not with our natural eyes because we've been baptized and we've been given a new lens, just like Michael. A new lens in which to see the world so that we do not see with just our natural eyes, but we see with the eyes of Jesus, the eyes of faith. That can see the word promise fulfilled now. That the eyes that can see his body and blood being given to us. So it's here that he's still with us. He's not going to desert us and let us die in the desert of our life. And that's why we come here today. So that we can spend time with Jesus. So that he can feed us the word that endures to eternal life. And as we eat and feast upon that word, that word actually becomes one with us. Just like our food becomes one with us. It gives us nourishment. But this nourishment endures forever and ever. And as we feast upon this food, it now transforms us into the likeness of Jesus. Into signs that point to Jesus. So that as we feast today, we will leave here as signs of his divine presence in the world as signs in the world that says God has not abandoned you, as signs as we journey together so that people may see Jesus. And this is testified in the way we're sitting right now. We're all on our journey following Jesus. So like I said, there is an open ending for today's gospel, which means there hasn't been an amen. There hasn't been a let it be so. It is certainly true. So I propose something. After the benediction, when we say amen, let it be amen that says, yes, Jesus is with us, and as I leave today, he will always be with us. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.